Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds, with Brother Shem L. I'm your host, Brother Shem L. And I'm thankful and grateful to be back once again to do another podcast episode. Um, First, as always, you know, I want to um, thank everyone uh, who's listening, who has been listening, new listeners, um, people who've just been supportive. Uh, Every part of it is um, appreciative. So I thank you all because y'all keep me going. Um, I also want to say, give special honors to the original Titan. Um, uh, She was gracious enough to have me on her show uh, where she interviewed me. So for those uh, who are not familiar with the original Titan, please um, go on, check her on YouTube, the original Titan, and you'll see it under the title of the original Titan interviews, brother Shemel. Uh, we, we had an interview for about an hour. It was very informative. We touched a lot of different topics and hopefully Uh, I can get her on my podcast and we can interview her. Um, She's an exceptional um, person, genuine soul, and uh, is very, very knowledgeable. So if we can make that happen, if she's willing to do that, that would be awesome. Um, Just want to let you know that coming up very soon, it's official. Um, I will be having an interview with none other than the uh, extraordinary accomplished scholar Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay uh, we're scheduled to do our interview on May 20 yeah May 20th May 20th uh, which is actually on a weekday but of course uh, it will be recorded so of course if you're not able to make the live stream you'll be able to see the playback, the recorded playback. So uh, I know he's going to get into a lot of information. This man is a wealth of knowledge. So I'm really excited about this. I'm actually going to get back into the interviews. Uh, pretty heavy. I'm excited. This this is kind of sparked my excitement again to do interviews. So Look forward to uh, me doing more interviews. Of course, I'll be doing podcasts like this where you'll just hear me. But look forward to these interviews. I'm looking forward to have conversations with some true masterminds, some enlightened um, minds that can um, share their perspectives and their knowledge and their wisdom on a lot of things. So I'm excited about that. Um. So we're going to get into the harmonies of life. That is uh, harmonies of life. That's the the topic at hand. And of course, as always, we're going to um, go into our circle seven, specifically chapter three um, as the foundation. But before I do that, I want to just make a note. This is kind of just me just being open and revealing myself a little bit without going in too much. Um, this past week, um, just to be open with y'all, has been definitely uh, a test 
to say the least, is still not over. Um, you know, definitely things that come in your life, things that affect you and your family, your loved ones. Uh, you know, it's definitely a test to say the least. And without speaking too much um, on it at this point, I'll say I had an interesting conversation with my aunt this morning and she made a statement that that hit me. She said, um, you've always been a strong one in the family. I'll tell anyone that. And this is, uh, this is, you know, definitely a dear person in my life. She's one of my favorite aunts, even though I know we shouldn't have favorites. She truly is. Um, just the relationship we've had since I was a child. And that hit me. That actually hit me very hard because, you know, it's one of them things where you don't know what people see in you. You know, I've been on the spiritual journey for a long time. And I kind of um, have restricted, if you will, this type of conversation to people who are, in similar similar situations uh understandably because you know everybody doesn't understand you this is a this could be a very lonely road which is why i'm glad i have this podcast because it it allows me to tap into or reach out and um you know have conversations with people from around the world who who share the same thing uh who've had similar experiences who have the same interests but when your family, when your close families, when they have conversations with you and every now and again, they'll make a statement to acknowledge that there's something that makes you unique in a certain way, um, in a spiritual way, you know, it's just very interesting. So just wanted to share that, you know, so that's been on my mind. And with that, we'll get to the lesson. So I'm going to go ahead and read chapter three, the circle seven, Elihu's lessons, the unity of life. I'm going to start with verse five. There are two selves, the higher self and lower self. The higher self is human spirit clothed with soul made in the form of Allah. The lower self, the carnal self, the body of desires is a reflection of of higher self, distorted by the murky ethers of the flesh. The lower self is an illusion and will pass away. The higher self is a law in man and will not pass away. The higher self is the embodiment of truth. The lower self is truth reversed and so is falsehood manifest. The higher self is justice mercy, love, and right. The lower self is what the higher self is not. The lower self breeds hatred, slander, lewdness, murder, theft, and everything that harms. The higher self is the mother of virtues and the harmonies of life. And I'll just stop there. So, when we get into the aspect of harmonies, um, harmonies is a very um, 
it can be interpreted many different ways. And so what I like to do is first um, address certain things in reference to harmonies. Um, and I think it's important that we we do that. Har- it said the harmonies of life, not the harmony of life. So there's multiple harmonies. Uh, when we think of harmony, we think of being in, you know, in unity, cohesiveness, you know, um, everything being smooth, no conflict, things of that nature. So I want to uh, first kind of touch on that topic first and then expound on the harmonies as a plural. So one of the things, particularly in more science, what we do is we we honor all true and divine prophets, right? And, you know, and you have the liberty at this point for your own learning and your own um, comprehension to interpret that word and define it however you wish it to be. Uh, in more science, the question is asked, what is a prophet? And the answer is given is, a prophet is a thought of a law manifested in flesh. But, you know, you know, people have different definitions of the word prophet. Now, when we deal with harmony, okay, there is, in order for there to be a harmony, you have to ask yourself, in harmony with what? Okay. So one of the, one of the prophets that we give honor to is Confucius. Now, you'll hear many Moors uh, speak about Confucius, at least in passing when it comes to the prophets that they honor. You know, Confucius, Buddha, you know, Jesus, Muhammad, etc. However, you don't hear a lot of conversation or in-depth teaching in, in reference to Confucius. Um, many people who are not into Confucius, um, Confucianism do not know what Confucius really taught, honestly. Um, so one of the things that uh, we find with Confucian, Confucius, I'm sorry, there is a book entitled The Great Learning. It's one of the four books in Confucianism. Okay. And when we talk about the four books, you have what's called the four books and five classics, which are the um, particularly the primary um, group of texts in Confucianism um, that was written before 300 B.C. So the great learning actually came from a chapter of another book called the Book of Rites. Okay. Um, The Book of Rites, which is part of the five classics. And this, the great learning was actually written after the death of Confucius. 
Um, but nonetheless, it's, it is the ideas are fundamental Confucianism. Confucianism. So it's kind of like uh, it would be the equivalent of, I guess, the book of Revelations in the Bible, even though the book of Revelations was written after the supposed crucifixion of Jesus, you know, is still considered to be a fundamental text of Christianity to give you the kind of the context. So one of the things that the great learning teaches about, it goes into depth about uh, something called Tao. And the Tao is which is spelled either T-A-O or D-A-O. And there's actually a whole religion or a spiritual system from the Tao entitled Taoism. Now, Tao was very expansive and, and we don't have a lot of time to get all into the Tao because it's very, it's, it's a very deep subject. But the Tao is um, a word for way, the way of... Um, and it also can be interpreted as truth, which um, gives more insight because uh, we all bound by one chord. It gives more insight to the statement in the Bible in the New Testament where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the light. No one can get to the father except by me. Right. So the way and the truth and the light, the way and the truth in in Confucianism, in Chinese, that that would be in the Chinese language, that would be Tao. So when you're talking about Tao, you're talking about that way, you're talking about a path. In um in Islam they say Sabil, the path or the way. Sabil Allah. Right in Surat Musikim, oh, I'm sorry, um, Surat in um, Surat, uh, um, I'm sorry, the uh, Surat Fatiha, Surah, uh, Surah Fatiha, right? In Fatiha, which is, um, it will say Suratul, Suratul Musikim, Surat which is which they say is a straight and narrow path um, there is always a concept in all of these spiritual disciplines where it talks about a path a way to truth connected to truth so when we speak about the higher self the higher self being the divine within man Right when we speak about the higher self being the embodiment of truth, that is another way of it being the embodiment of the way. So your higher self is that connection to the all, to reality, harmony with the absolute. Right, as taught by Confucius. Right, and the absolute, the all that would be, you know. 
who Muslims would call Allah, you know, and many different names for the causeless cause and the rootless root from which all things have grown. But understand that that harmony with the way, the great way, the great Tao is something that, you know, improves the lives of people, right? It, it, it is the root by which you can respect people. And also, this is the Tao is not only spoken about in Confucianism, it's also a Buddhist concept as well. Buddhism, um, Zen, you know, of course, as I mentioned, Taoism, uh, there is actually a whole way of life called Taoism. Okay. And um, there's a book that I would encourage everyone to get. Um, that book is called Awaken Healing Light of the Tao by Montak Chia. Um, there's actually ways you can actually access it online. Um, but I would encourage everyone to um, go and purchase the book if at all possible. It's a very powerful book. Um, and I'm studying Taoism, um, the spiritual side of Taoism now in connection with my study of Qigong. And, uh, it basically has expanded my comprehension of more science. And I give honors to my teacher, uh, she Corbett Bay for that. But, uh, I wanted to just go into that aspect and just expound on that. The aspect when you say I am, that goes back into I am the way. I am the great I am, right? That is an affirmation. And those, you know, I have a uh, episode that I did a whole um, dedication called Asiatic Affirmations, which speaks about the I am affirmation, the power of the I am affirmation. So I am the way, the truth, right? And the question is asked in the Morris questionnaire, what is truth? Truth is ought. What is ought? Ought is a law. Can truth change? Truth cannot change or pass away. What other name do we give to truth? Holy breath, right? So yeah, many um, masters, many adepts, who are familiar with the concept and we'll go more into this, but I, I want to touch on it in reference to um, the concept of the one, the three and the seven. And you, you, you've heard me speak on that before and I will continue to speak on it because that really opens up to door, the door to comprehending a lot of things of life. You're dealing with a mathematical um, numerical um, formula, if you will, by which all things came about and how things work. And if you know that, and if you're in tune with that, you can actually um, open yourself to those higher realms that will, you know, awaken your higher self, so to speak. You know, and, I, and when I say awaken, the higher self the higher self is, has is never sleep it's just we are not uh we are not in tune with the higher self we we have uh succumbed 
to this lower self, this matrix, this three-dimensional body, and through the mind, the mind has, and has, in our fallen state, has recognized that as the true being, as opposed to recognizing the higher self as the true being. So we just have to get back into the consciousness of the higher self. But that said, uh, there's a there's a teaching in reference to that many adepts speak on, as I mentioned, of the one, the three, and the seven. Um, before the worlds were formed, all things were one. And when we talk about the worlds, we can tie that back into Kabbalah. Again, you can go back and refer back to um, my series on Kabbalah and the four worlds. So all things are one. So you're dealing with one, just that spirit. Okay? And that spirit is universal breath, a holy breath. So if we go into chapter one, that goes back to chapter one, and I'm just going to read certain parts of chapter one. Of course, I have to read the beginning in the creation of fall of man, where it says time never was when man was not. In life of man at any time began, a time would come when it would end. The thoughts of Allah cannot be circumscribed. No finite man can comprehend things infinite. All finite things are subject unto change. All finite things will cease to be because there was a time when they were not. The bodies and the souls of men are finite things and they will change. Yea, from the finite point of view, the time will come when they will be no more. But man himself is not the body nor the soul. He is a spirit and a part of Allah. So just with that statement, you know, um, also knowing that uh, wisdom speaks from out the highest plane of spirit life, we know that, you know, the origin of everything is spirit. And even in the front of the Circle 7, officially known as the Holy Quran and the Moral Science Temple of America, divinely prepared by the noble prophet Drew Ali, it states, by the guiding of his father, God Allah, the great God of the universe, to redeem man from his sinful and fallen stage of humanity back to the highest plane of life with his father, God Allah. And that is raising your vibration. So that's another way of saying raising your vibration to the highest level of divinity, to all, to that oneness, okay? Because now we're, we're in a multiplicity of things where we look at things as separate, but getting back to that oneness, that reality, that true reality of oneness. And so you start off with the one, okay? Now that one you know, uh, becomes three. That's where you get the triune concept from. As I mentioned is um, that thought is one, yet it is more than, um, eternal thought is one. Um, in essence, it is two, right? You know, that intelligence, uh, you know, that intelligence and that, uh, and the, also the, the intelligence and the will 
you know, which uh, when they combine, they bring forth a child and that child is love. And I'm paraphrasing that statement in the, you know, adepts know what I'm talking about. But you're getting to that. That's the wisdom, will and love. Wisdom, will and love. When we go into the teaching of the triune, right? You're you're dealing with this universal Allah. So that's in chapter 10, where it says in verse 13, all people worship Allah, the one, but all people see him not alike. The universal Allah is wisdom, will, and love. All men see not the triune Allah. One sees him as a law of might, another as a law of thought, another as a law of love. A man's ideal is his God. And so as man unfolds, his God unfolds. Man's God today, tomorrow is not God. The nations of the earth see a law from different points of view. And so he does not seem the same to everyone. Man names the part of Allah he sees. Right? Man names the part of Allah that he sees. And I want to make this clear. He names the part of Allah that he sees. So, in order to name the part of Allah that you see, you have to look at it from a certain context. Okay, and it goes on to says, and this to him is all of Allah, and every nation sees a part of Allah, and every nation has a name for Allah. You Brahmins call him Parabram. In Egypt, he is Thoth, and Zeus is his name in Greece. Jehovah is his Hebrew name, but everywhere he is the causeless cause, the rootless root from which all things have grown. Okay. You're talking about the causeless cause and the rootless root from which all things have grown. So, with that said, you have to um, understand that. So, that gets into the three. From the one to the three. By the time you get to the other part, right... You get to 11, chapter 11, then that introduces the seven. Okay? So, the seven, that goes into the part where it says, from Allah's own record, we read, the triune Allah breathed forth and stood seven spirits before his face. The Hebrews call these seven spirits Elohim. And these are they who, in their boundless power, created everything that is or was. These spirits of the triune Allah moved on the face of boundless space, and seven ethers were, and every ether had its form of life. These forms of life were, but the thought of Allah clothed in the substance of their planes. Right? And we talked about this dealing with seven ether planes. Okay? So... That's the one, that's the three, and that's the seven, right? The question is asked, um, who is Elohim? And the Moorish questionnaire, the answer is 
Elohim is the seven created spirits that created everything that ever was, is, and evermore to be. Right? So, and it's the Elohim that is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, let us make, um, no, I'm sorry, not one verse one but it is in one verse one where it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth that's elohim the term for god there in hebrew is elohim and the same one that said um later on in the same chapter let us make man in our image and after our likeness i think it's chapter i don't know chapter one verse 29 if i'm not mistaken of genesis okay so we're made in the image of Elohim. And in essence, we can understand of how, to a large degree, we are Elohim, right? Because in the book of Psalms, chapter 82, verse 6, it states, I say ye are gods and children of the Most High. And that word is Elohim. So we're getting from the one, the two, the seven, and we're going to expound more into that in the latter half. So when we speak about the Tao, as we mentioned earlier, um, in ancient times, um, men in the East said that the Tao is the name of universal breath, right? Um, holy breath, as we talk about. So Tao was, is another way, as I mentioned, is the way, it's the truth. You know, what other name do we give to truth? Holy breath. What have you to say about the holy breath? All we could say it is great, it is good, it was, it is, and evermore to be. Amen. Those are two questions in the questionnaire. What other name do we give to truth? And what have you to say about the holy breath? So when we understand that the ancients would, um, and the ancient Chinese nation, the ancient Chinese people, we refer to that truth, that way as Tao, and that was the name used for universal breath or the holy breath, we have an understanding of what I was mentioning before about how every nation has a name for the omnipotent. Okay, as we read from the circle seven. Now, with that, this holy breath, right, this great Tao, it has no manifesting form. It has no passion, you know, and really it has no true name. We give we give this a name, but it really is beyond name. Okay? The one is beyond a name. Yet this one uh, has maintained heavens and earth. You know, maintain the universe, causes things to grow, brings things in the season, keeps the harmonies. That's the harmonies of life, right? 
And we have to understand that. We have to acknowledge that particular aspect of the harmonies of life. Now, another thing that um, I'm going to get into is one of the names of another one of the names that's used for the seven creative spirits. But before I get into that, right? So we talk about the one. The one became two. Remember, I talk about eternal thought, right? Eternal thought is one, yet it is more than one, right? And then we get into the aspect of eternal thought is one. In essence, it is two. So the two becomes the three. That's the triune. And the three evolved the seven, which filled the universe with manifest. So when we speak about in chapter 11 about the seven created spirits in their boundless power created everything that ever was and is those are the manifest so by the time you get into Elohim in the book of Genesis you're getting into creation you're getting into that last world we talked about the worlds that last world of of action and formation you know you're getting into that Aspect where things come into a manifest. But before the manifest is the thought. So thought is beyond the physical form. And everything has to start with the thought. Right? And the thought of the omnipotent is eternal. It's infinite. So the thing about the one if you want to say the all is that regardless of your nature regardless of your personality whether you be good or evil you're going to experience the same in nature in absolute nature rain is going to fall sun is going to shine wind is going to blow on all of us it's not like you know only good people get rain or only good people get sunshine and the bad people get rain if we're all in the same area, it doesn't matter your personality, your religion, your race, your ethnicity, your nationality. You're all going to experience that nature, that absolute nature. That's how it works. So that lets you know it's beyond a preference. That's harmonies of life. Okay? So, we as human, right? We have a spirit knit to this great Tao to this one okay and a soul that lives within seven breaths of the great Tao or the Tao great and a body of desires that springs up from the soil of flesh because when it speaks in reference to the actual chapter one Right of the circle seven, we read where it says, Now seeds are perfect, yea, as perfect as the source from which they come, but they are unfolded into life made manifest. But they are not, I'm sorry, they are not unfolded into life made manifest. The child is as perfect as the mother is. So man, the seed must become planted in a soil that he might grow, unfold as does the bud unfold to show the flower. 
the human seed that came forth from the heart of Allah was full ordained to be the Lord of the plane of soul and of the plane of things made manifest. So Allah, the husbandman of everything that is, threw forth that human seed into the soil of soul. It grew a place and man became a living soul. And he became the Lord of all the kingdom of the soul. Right? So we have to understand that soil of soul. Right? And from the soil of soul, you also have the body of desires that springs up from the soil of flesh. Right? And the soil of flesh manifests that fleshly body, that body of desires manifests within the plane of things made manifest. So that's the three great planes. The plane of manifest, the plane of soul, and the spirit plane. Right? But even with that, you have seven ether planes. Okay? Or they we call in the Quran of Mecca the seven heavens. Okay? So we have to have a clear concept of how this thing works on a spiritual realm. Now, one of the names that are used when it comes to the actual um, the actual term of the seven created spirits is known as that the adepts know about is septinate, right? That's S E P T O N A T E, okay? Which would be um, basically the concept of those seven created spirits. Now, and it's um, when you read up, if you look up the term septinate, you'll find that it's a word that is used in music. And it's a series of seven tones ranging from the fifth below the keynote to the fourth above, right? So you're talking about a tonal system. And if you know anything about music, you know that there are seven major keys. There's the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Those are the seven tones, right? So you have that in context, but that seven tones is where you get your um, your do re mi. I forget. How, um, I know I've I've spoken and taught about it before, and it's in my book. But the um, the do re mi um, scale, which is which is Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, right? That's what they call. And that is basically the scale that you learn in music. So I want to just go into this. Sept means seven, like sept, Septagon. Even the name September even though we call it the ninth month of the year, 
Sept means seven. So it originally was the seventh month, right? Which lets you know there was two other months added into that year to make it the ninth month. But that's a whole nother story when we talk about time. So sept means seven. Tonate is tone. And a tone is a note. You can take the word tone, T-O-N-E, change the word, change the letters around and you get the word note. So that tone and that note is a vibration, right? So even when in chapter one, everything goes back to chapter one, where you speak about the plane of soul is but the ether of the spirit plane vibrating not so fast and in a slower rhythm, in the slower rhythm of this plane, the essence of life are manifest. You're dealing with vibration, tone, and you're dealing with rhythm. That's music. That's harmonies of life. So this ties back to the harmonies of life. So on one end, in one aspect, you have harmony being the cohesiveness, being being agreeable, being in agreement with all nature, not trying to do harm as being in your higher self. And in the other aspect, you have music. That's why the proper music can heal you. The improper music can kill you. Right. It gets back into the own frequency, the F sharp, you know, vibration, um, certain sound bowls and things of that nature. You can actually tune in even further than that. When you deal with the septonate, each of those creative spirits is vibrating on a certain frequency, a certain tone. So there are masses who are able to vibrate on the tone of that specific frequency, you know, and on a and on a lower scale, people would say, well, I'm going to uh, focus and pray to send my prayers to the Archangel Michael or the Archangel Gabriel, or Raphael. Right. Because another term that is used, as I mentioned in my book, who is Elohim? for the seven created spirits is the archangels, right? Now, what are archangels? Archangels are angels of high rank. You know, although there are beings similar to archangels found in various spiritual systems, such as the Enead of ancient Kemet, the word archangel is often associated with the Abrahamic religions. That's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And the earliest mention of the seven archangels is in the book of Enoch. Okay. And specifically in the book of Enoch in the 20th chapter of the book of Enoch, it gives the names and the functions of the seven archangels also called the watchers where it states the following it says, and these are the names of the holy angels who watch Uriel, one of the holy angels who is over the world and over Tartarus, Raphael, one of the holy angels who is over the spirits of men, Raguel, one of the holy angels who takes vengeance on the world of the luminaries, Michael, one of the holy angels to wit, he that is set over the best part of mankind and over chaos, Sorakael, one of the holy angels who is set over the spirits who is who sin in the spirit. Gabriel, one of the holy angels who is over paradise, 
and the serpents and the cherubim. Remiel, one of the holy angels whom God set over those who rise, right? So, you know, the the names, you know, they disagree. Many different systems disagree on the names and the functions of the seven angels. But the concept of the seven archangels, those seven created spirits remain the same. Now, you have some masters who are able to focus on the energy so much so that they almost become the embodiment of that. So they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I am. I am Michael. I am the archangel Michael. I am the archangel Gabriel and all this stuff. And they'll go into that because they became one with that frequency, one with that tone, the septonate. They vibrate and became one with that. Catch what I'm saying? When you lock your energy into that, you can do that. And there's, you know, various techniques. Of course, meditation is a part of that. But I'm just going over this just to to speak on, you know, the fact that this is a very real thing and give you context as to what that is. Right? Because all of this is from within. All of these things are are basically expressions from what is already within you. Okay? You are the creators. You create the whole your own heaven and hell. You create this whole world, in fact. This whole matrix from the aspect of thought, which is a deeper level of teaching. But what I wanted to get into in specifics of the concept of this is kind of just letting it be known in reference to um, that teaching. Um, There was a question some time ago that a brother asked me in reference to um, speaking about the subject and who is Elohim. In my book, I speak about um, what's known as the seven sisters, which um, ties, which is basically Pleiades. So, I'm actually going to read a section of that book, of my book, and then, you know, go into the answering the question that the brother had in reference to this, because it was very important. Um, so, in my book, right. You know, of course, I mentioned about that term, you know, and we also there's also a term of of the Nephilim, which is which means fallen ones in Hebrew. Okay, it's a derivative of the Hebrew word Nephil, which means meaning fall that goes back to the creation of fallen man. Chapter one. Right. And the word Nephilim is what ties in Genesis chapter six, verse one to four with the book of Enoch's accounts of these angels. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, it says, when men began to multiply on earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw how beautiful the daughters of men were. And so they took for their wives as many of them as they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not remain in man forever since he is but flesh. 
his days shall comprise 120 years. At that time, the Nephilim appeared on earth as well as later after the sons of God had intercourse with the daughters of men who bore them sons. They were hearers of old, the men of renown. Now the term for sons of God is Beni Elohim. Okay? So, remember I spoke about luminaries. Okay? And in the seven celestial luminaries are connected to the angels of the seven assemblies known as the churches. The seven churches. In the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verse 20, where it says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So it should be noticed that there exists a seven star constellation called Pleiades. In astronomy, the Pleiades or seven sisters is an open star cluster um, in the constellation of Taurus. And we spoke about Taurus before. That's also mentioned, expounded in my book, uh, how many days are in the circle, right? So it's one of the nearest star clusters to Earth. Pleiades is the cluster most visible to the naked eye in the night sky. And in the Bible, Pleiades is mentioned three times and always in conjunction with Orion. And um, you can look that up for your own reference. That is um, in Amos, in the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 8, the book of Job, chapter 9, verse 9, and the book of Job, chapter 38, verse 31. Okay? So, the Pleiades is always uh, mentioned in conjunction with Orion. And we know about the belt of Orion. And now Pleiades has many meanings in different cultures and traditions. For example, in Japan, Pleiades is called Subaru, which means coming together or cluster in Japanese. And Subaru happens to be the name of the car manufacturer whose logo consists of six stars representing five stars that merged into one. But Subaru means cluster. But that term Subaru, they also use for the star cluster known as Pleiades. Okay? And stars has always been associated with the angels, with the Elohim. Okay? So that goes into Kabbalah and all other type of things. But um, what the brother asked me was in reference to um, actually the energy of Pleiades, okay? Um, so this was basically what I spoke to him about. So there are those who know that Pleiades, the Pleiades constellation um, actually gives off energy. It gives off a cosmic energy that you can tap into, Okay. This can actually be uh, accessed with the help of the hypothalamus and the pineal gland. Okay. And this goes back to Taoism and the Tao, the teachings of the Tao and, and the Qi and the Ki and all that. So the Taoists 
regard this point as the main switch of the universal force. So when the spirit awakens, so we speak, so to speak, it resides in this place. Now the pineal gland, which people will call the third eye, the inner eye, the first eye, etc., acts as the positive, or some people will say the male charge, and the hypothalamus acts as the negative charge, or some people will say the female charge. So this is your yang and your yin, right? So when they're connected, they give out a balanced force that's very powerful. So by focusing on the center and visualizing the um, this actual star constellation, you know, you can access the constellation em- energies that emanates from the crown chakra as a ray of light. So this is something that actually is done. It's not easy to do. It takes um, serious concentration and meditation and visualization techniques. But that was actually a question that was asked of me. And so I'm sharing it because that was the answer that I gave. So why do I say all this and how does that tie into the harmonies of life? From a cosmic standpoint, there are energies and vibrations out there that we have the ability to access to raise ourselves to become one with our higher self because that's the ultimate goal you know it's not about you know boasting of superior understanding and you know trying to be deep or anything of that nature it's just something that we can use for each of us to better our own lives to raise our vibrations and truly be one with the divine at the end of the day that's what more science talks about you know all throughout the circle seven being one with Allah right um, in chapter and to refer back to chapter one because that is the master chapter in this text it says that man cannot die the spirit man is one with Allah and while Allah lives man cannot die when man is conquered every foe upon the plane of soul the seed will have full opened out will have unfolded in the holy breath the garb of soul will then have served its purpose well and man will need it never more and it will pass and be no more and man will then attain unto the blessedness of perfectness and at one with Allah, right? By the time you get to chapter two, it also speaks about it, but it speaks about it in this context. It says, starting in verse 25, it says, this age will comprehend but little of the works of purity and love, but not a word is lost. For in the book of Allah's remembrance, a registry is made of every thought and word and deed. And when the world is ready to receive, lo, Allah will send a messenger to open the book 
and copy from its sacred pages all the messages of purity and love. Then every man of earth will read the words of life in language of his native land and men will see the light and walk in the light and be the light and man again will be at one with Allah. So all throughout the circle seven, it speaks about this text, this um, concept, this precept of being one with Allah, right? No man live unto himself for every living thing is bound by cause to every other living thing. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will love and not the man love in return. They will not do to other men what they would not have other men do unto them. That's the golden rule that ties back to Confucianism, right? Which is also taught by Jesus. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's being in harmony. That's being in harmony, right? Purity paves the way for love. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will love and not demand love in return your love for another is not based on what they do for you or do to you and that ties back to my last um, episode where I talked about divine love, love divine we have to acknowledge that we have to be aware of that that in order for us to be in harmony, truly be in harmony it's not about other the next person it's not about whether they did this for you or they're going to do this to you or whether they like you. The pure in heart love and do not demand love in return. It's about the purification of the heart, purification of the soul. It's about being one with Allah. If it's truly if you're truly about being one with Allah, if you're truly about Allah, then you have to open your heart to the door of love. And love is not conditional. It's not based on a condition. It's not based on this person did this to me. And so I don't really love them. So with that, that concludes our lesson our conversation in reference to the harmonies of life and I hope uh, each and every one of you uh, were able to get something out of it again I thank each and every one of you for listening to this and until next time peace and love